again ah that feels nice you guys missed that didn't you you missed it back at it again oh it feels so good back at it again with the blue testament crew here for another shades of blue soccer show i missed you guys you guys like you listening i missed you but also you guys you guys in the studio too i missed you guys we have snuck back in the studio to recap the off season that it was done in the blink of an eye and argue about this season. So I am your host. My name is Cody Bradley and I have in the studio with me tonight. Bad bell. Yeah, there he is. That was a weak throw. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't even look at me like, Hey, I was staring at you the whole time. (laughs) And Mike Coon. Mike is here. Mike, how many of these have you done in your lifetime? With this one, th- with this group, zero. Yeah, but zero. Historically, you Hist- started it. Yes, historically, Thad and I started uh, way back when, uh, from the byline to the back post, back when we each had our own separate sites, That's many, right. many, many moons ago. Long and ago, we, and we did it all off a of voice recorder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sitting on a child's table in my basement. <laughs> Or sitting in between us in a car. Yeah, we did that a few times. Yeah. In the car, wow, that's pretty good. But that's better than over the phone, which it was for a while here. Yeah, it depends on the phone. I was on a few of the phone ones, and it was not easy. Yeah, phone, phones are never easy. I've, I've done those, and it's hard to read other people and yeah. when to stop talking, when to start talking. Yeah, it doesn't so, ever sound good. Yeah. You always have the dead dead air silence waiting for somebody to say something. Well, when Cody doesn't give you a visual clue, it doesn't help there either. <laughs> God dang it. Anyway, how's the off-season been, gentlemen? Is there an off-season? Yeah, we're... It, it's it's just busy. We're a week away already. They, they, heck, not even a week. They leave Sunday. Yeah. The team takes off for uh, Arizona on Sunday, so... That's right. There's player availability Saturday morning. It's getting real. Um, Thad, tell me something about your off season. Uh, it was actually really good. Why, well, how so? <laughs> this may sound horrible, but daughter went on a trip to Florida with her school. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a week, almost a week at home with the wife alone. Nice. Where'd she? Why was she going to Florida? Uh, schools in Lee Summit, uh, band marched in the Citrus Bowl Parade, the choirs sung at the, at some big thing at Disney, and the orchestras did workshops with the Disney musicians. Nice. Wonderful. Good for her. Yeah. Mike. Yes. You're here, and it's a, it's a weeknight, and that is like normally something we're not used to. No, it is not. Um. We always try to get Mike on, and and he's like a dad and like got a real life and like real important things to do and doesn't have time to come in here and hang out. Between dad and coaching and the half dozen other things my kids do, it's it's not easy to find free time. I believe that. I believe that. And wife telling you you can't go. Well, that too. 
I don't envy it at this point <laughs> in my life, I must admit. <laughs> There's lots of pluses to it, though, isn't there? Yes. I enjoy the coaching aspect. It's it's a lot of fun. That's trying to make up for the fact he just said he was happy that his daughter left town for a long time. Actually, I am... I'm the one who really enjoys her being around, but it was nice to just have some time with the wife. Well, very nice. Okay. How about you, Cody? Off-season? My off-season has been good. I've just worked a lot. But holidays, the holidays were very good this year. A a long blur. It was kind of a blur. But it was fun. Anything special? Nothing particularly special. The Chiefs have been consuming my life working for the Chiefs Radio Network, so. Well, that should be over Sunday. Oh, and the game's on Saturday. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about that. No, it's wrong team. Wrong <laughs> podcast for that. Wrong Yeah, sport. but I'm fine with putting it out there in the world. Like, if we say it out loud that they're going to lose because everyone thinks they're going to lose, then maybe it'll break the jinx. In fairness, they have an amazing quarterback, so. I do. I actually do kind of want them to win. Oh, <laughs> in it, years past, I honestly have not cared at all. But it, it can't get any worse than some of their other playoff performances, specifically against the Colts. Damn you, Lynn Elliott. <laughs> okay, I, I, I'm I'm old enough to where that crushed my childhood. <laughs> so give me that. I'm old enough that I was laughing at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was eleven, ten, whatever. No, wait, ninety six. I was 13. There we go. So one good thing from pointy ball playoffs last weekend was Saad Abdul-Salam's off the hook a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, the double doink. Yep. That was great. You know he was, like, somewhere, like, blushing because it, like, brought it all back. <laughs> well, be- did you see Benny Failhaber tweeted at him about it? Oh, he did at yeah, him. I didn't yep. know yes, he, he did tweet at him set, telling him he was he, he was off the hook finally. So B- Benny made sure to rub it in just a little bit, a uh, l- little bit Adam on it. So that was Thad stealing Benny's joke? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, I'm going to undo that now because I don't think he's off the hook because that guy actually got a little tip on that football. So. Oh, they did? I didn't yeah. watch that closely. Yep. Guy got a little tip of the fingers on that, that ball. So if if the keeper had got a little touch on that ball, then we could maybe say we don't blame Abdul Salam. But nope. Not quite. Come on, we can move past it. Enough of the double post. We're a better team now. <laughs> well, we speaking of the double post, we were going to talk about the players that are in uh, to sporting this season. Yes. Nice little segue there. Well, we were going to do players out. Oh, yeah. Well, play, players okay. in. We okay. can go either way. One of the players in was involved in that double post game, too. Actually had a goal in that game for Portland. Ronnie Wallace. Yes. Mr. Wallace. That uh, was a very good segue. Thank you. <laughs> Ronnie um, Wallace, first one in. So you're shocked at Mike actually knowing something? He here? <laughs> Come on. Uh, yes, Rodney Wallace, the first one in on December 14. He was the first one, right? Yes. I think so. Yes. A very fast free agent signing. Yep. Defender slash midfielder. Slash winger. Where do we see him fitting in? I think that uh, – I, I think – Honestly, I he's a player that I've always thought would do really well in Vermes' system. He does well on the wing. 
He gets up and down the field. Um, production obviously has been was a little off last year. The year before, he had a decent season with uh, NYCFC. Um, I think this year he's probably going to be uh, predominantly Seth's backup or challenge Seth for minutes at uh, left back, at least at least until uh, Madranda's yeah. back and we figure out where we're going to play him again. Yet so another Seth so backup. Yeah, he's like the 10th guy to come in and challenge Seth for playing time, right? <laughs> Eventually somebody's going to beat him out. I, if, I, I don't think Seth has the staying power of, of uh, DeMarcus Beasley. <laughs> I, I don't think Seth will be playing me. when he's 52. Right. Yeah. But anyway, Wallace could be... Could be a left back, could be a left winger, could be a left midfielder-ish. Trader Pete, he likes them versatile. But probably winger slash defender left back. All right, in a trade, Eric Hurtado from Vancouver. Do we see him as backup to Nemo? Actually, I think he starts. Or is it, well, so does Vermese see him as <laughs> as backup to Nemo to start? I think it all depends on what happens in preseason. Yeah. At the beginning of last year, everybody was thinking Rubio starts and Shelton was a uh, sub or defensive replacement kind of guy, and it turned out to be the exact opposite most of the season. So I think this last year we had the whole – Who's who should start Shelton or Rubio? And I think this year we're going to have the whole Hurtado or Namath debate. All right. Well, we're going to come out swinging with two goals and one assist that he had last year. <laughs> Screams Kyrie Shelton, doesn't yep, it? Exactly. Isn't that his exact stat line, probably? Uh, I think Kyrie actually had two assists. Hey, Ky- yeah. Kyrie, I think, had a, one or two more assists. Yeah. yeah. But no, uh, the. Yeah, Vermes in the in the press conference after the tr- after the trade with Vancouver, he he talked up Namath, he talked up him as being the guy, but um, stuff since then, articles written by the league's website and everything seems to point to Hurtado maybe being the favorite to start that. That in a sense changes my feelings a little bit on the trade. I. Don't think Hurtado's a starter in this league. I just don't think he's good enough to Did be. Did you think Shelton's a starter in this league? I thought Shelton could provide provided something more on the field than uh, than Hurtado does. And Shelton was another player that I thought was the type of player when I saw him drafted. I thought he could do well in Vermes' system. I don't feel that way about Hurtado. I, I don't feel like he has the the ability that Shelton does to play the way Shelton does, which means another tweak of the Vermes 4-3-3 likely again next year with Howard, which honestly we were probably going to change anyway with, with Namath as the point forward either way. So either way we're going to, we are likely going to see a tweak to the 4-3-3. I just, I don't rate Hurtado. I never have. Yeah, but can you rate Namath right now? Not three years ago, right now. Not n- right now, no. I can't rate Namath either. But, again, that points to what has become, well, to use a Chiefs reference, uh, that is basically that's become the Chiefs drafting a quarterback <laughs> is sporting needs a forward. 
Yeah. It, it's it's the same argument year after year for the Chiefs. It was, we need a quarterback. We need a quarterback. And for sporting, it seems to be, we need a forward. We need a forward. And it they're... Well, I hope the trend continues. I hope we follow in those in those same footsteps. That'd be great. The um, yeah, it, and I understand um, Hurtado may not be the same as Shelton, but a lot of what people have been saying about him was he runs all day. He's willing to do all the defensive work, which is exactly why Shelton was able to de- be effective in there because he let everybody else do all the offense. The the big difference between Hurtado and Shelton, though, with Shelton and Hurtado both willing to do the dirty work, Hurtado doesn't have the body to do the work that Shelton did up top to create that space for Shallowy, for Russell, for Gutierrez to push forward. He doesn't have that sort of body type that will enforce his will on center backs and create that space. He is just 5'10", but I feel like he's pretty – isn't he pretty solid? He's not very strong. I was thinking he had some muscle. He he, he was he really he's solid. he's the guy that scored that the uh, lone goal in the 2017 when Vancouver had in Kansas City on that quick counter ball over the top. So for he's he's a bit more speed I think than uh, than Shelton is, but he he doesn't have the body to go up against the. The Kendall Wastons, the right. uh, Justin Glads, the Chad Marshalls of of the league. Now, uh, Kyrie was a guy who I really like, but I don't think he played as big as what he actually was. I don't. I don't think he did either. But he was able to, and I don't think her taught. Like the the example I'll give you is Vancouver. Uh, the game in Vancouver this past season, the um, Shallowy's first goal. When ball over the top, Shelton was able to hold off the defender, not even really using his body that much, but was able to get his body between the guy and the ball, and Shallowy was able to get onto it and finish. That That's the type of play that Shelton was good at, was p- being able to hold defenders off, and I just don't see that out of Hurtado in what I've seen of Vancouver. Uh, you're not going to see that out of Namath either. Yeah, that's very true. Oh, we need a striker. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, and let's uh let's just keep the train rolling here. Uh how about Botond Barath? Barath. How are we saying it? It's a good question. This is America. Hungarian number 3. This is America. Do both of those <laughs> count? <laughs> just don't call him Borat. Yeah. I mean, it's a fun name to say. Botond Barath. I got to try to get like Burmese to say that like the accurate way. Of course. Yeah. He doesn't ever say Crozet the right way. No, he doesn't. He still mispronounces that, we think. So, Okay. Uh, Hungarian so, defender, another Hungarian. He's he, he's spent his entire career with uh, Hanved, Budapest Hanved in Hungary. Made it on to the national team. Uh, I think he has a couple appearances that he made just this past year in uh, League of Nations play. If I remember right, yeah, I think he did. I, I I know he has only a handful of caps, and I'm pretty sure they both came this year or this past year, yeah. 2018. Yeah, in uh in League of Nations play Couldn't under head he, coach Marco Rossi. Can't remember if he actually played, but he did. Yeah. Yes, three appearances in the UEFA Nations League this past year. 
my fist pumped. Because <laughs> I'm right again. I like being right. Yes, don't we all? But okay, so is he going to challenge either the captain or Ike? Well, Vermi's, again, going back to the press conference when the these guys were all uh, sort of introduced, uh, Vermes has said he wants to have too deep at every position with the three competitions this year, the more condensed schedule that would presumably mean that Vermes is going to actually do uh, the dreaded, dreaded R word this year and, uh, and rotate. Right. Um, but I, I think we'll see Beesler and uh, Borath some, I think we'll see Fontas and Opara um, or this could also be uh, a could have been a signal for uh, the long rumored Opara trade that um, <coughs> that uh, came up with uh, Jeff Carlisle, I believe, earlier this winter. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know if it's a signal for it, but I think it's just it would make it feasible. But I think he there's going to be two factors to Vermees making that trade. One, somebody's got to give him a deal that makes it worthwhile. And two, he's got to feel he has somebody there because it's not like uh, you can just like throw away a forward and have somebody else score. If you throw away all your central defenders, you're screwed. You know what I mean? So uh, that may have been what Emiliano Amor was for last year, which didn't turn out so great. <laughs> well, and we spoke about um, if somebody made a deal. Speaking of Carlisle, he had actually posted today, uh, Thursday as we're recording this, that uh, Vermes had only heard one, gotten one deal. Uh, or one offer, I should say, yeah. for Opara, and it was not up to his uh, liking compared to other deals for, uh, like, the Kendall-Waston trade. Yeah, and Opara should be above Waston. Well, Opara's younger, uh, lower salary. Uh, he's under contract for longer, I presume, now because he just signed an extension uh, last off season or a new contract last off season. So Plus I think he's better all the way around. Well, that too, but Watson's meaner. That too, but I'm just saying there are actual tangible evidence of Opar- a deal for Opara meaning more money for sporting. Yeah. In terms of age and contract length and salary and those sorts of things are going to be more appealing to another team, presumably. So he. For me, he would need somebody to make an offer that he thinks is worthwhile, and two, he has to feel like he can get rid of him and still have somebody to cover that spot. So Graham Smith last year went in the doghouse after playing with Emiliano Amor in that one Open Cup game, uh, but seemed to work his way back into favor because he played a lot at Swope Park and even started wearing the armband at Swope Park. So I think he might be back in favor, or at least not as in the doghouse as he used to be. And he wasn't released outright, so yeah, that that's what I was gonna say. If he, if he was still in the doghouse, he would have gone with he he, he would have either gone with Amir Yiddich or Amir Yiddich would have stayed and Graham Smith would have gone. Yeah. Hey, we're not on the outs yet. I'm just trying to keep you in line. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> it does, doesn't work. That uh, never works. Um, so anyway, you would need to have some good reason to get rid of him, and you need to I'm mean, not just good reason to get rid of him, but you need to have. Everything covered. Okay, on the other end of the field, Kellen Rowe. That's the secret to winning the MLS Cup right there. Why'd you whisper that? <laughs> Was that your that's your hot take? 
Yes. Or was that sarcasm? I couldn't tell. No, actually, well, it's a little both, but because <laughs> okay. I don't really believe in hot takes. But another guy that could can put the ball in the net and can play a lot of different spots and could be filling in for an old midfielder that Sporting has that isn't as offensive as Kellen Rowe can be. And yeah, I think he is going to play a lot. He'll, I think he'll be. Very important to the squad. So I know a lot of people uh, hated on Roger Espinosa last year, and they were pretty much all wrong. But the one thing I'll say is he's better when he doesn't, when he's got a little more rest. So you got to get him through some that. rest. Uh, plus, you got to be able to cover Felipe Gutierrez also, and potential things that could happen with him. You know, when, call ups when or, hasn't Roger gotten been talked bad about? Yeah, it's pretty much been a yearly thing from like a small majority of fans. Almost small majority, he, small. A I small, think it is. Just, they're just loud. Yeah, there we go. Loud, <laughs> my loud minority uh, of fans who just see the contract size of size for Roger and are like, oh, he's he he should be doing more on the field. He should be doing that. And it there there are people that don't seem to know everything that Roger does on the field how good he he is on yeah. the field for this team. Well, I completely agree. We um an, we hit how many times a lot on this yeah, show. <laughs> about how good Roger is. The only thing I'm saying is that yeah, I do think he's better when he gets a little rest. That's fair, especially turns 33, yeah, exactly. I believe next season, yeah. if and I remember if, right. If that wasn't true in the past and it definitely will be like this year and however long he's here. Yeah, and don't trust me, I'm not wanting to get rid of Roger even for the money right now because of what he can do. Mm-hmm. Cuz when he's when he is on, he can definitely make a huge impact in a game and I don't think there's a direct equivalent to him anywhere that we could get for that amount of money right now. But on the flip side of it, he's not as offensive. Uh so you lose a lot in that. I mean, last year was his best offensive uh year and that that may be because he's getting better or it may just be because sporting was well i i think that came because of uh because of uh gutierrez with, with gutierrez you have a it's not a double pivot because it's higher up the field but it, it's a reverse basically where you don't have two players both playing the deep position you had Two players both playing the forward position. Espinosa would push up. Felipe would stay back. Felipe would push up. Roger would stay back. So it, it wasn't a, a direct pivot at, at, in the midfield. It was at, at the opposite end of the field on the offensive side. And I think with that, Roger in the past has had Benny Failhaber, Graham Zuzi playing with him in the midfield. Those are more offensive-minded players. Um when it comes to the attack. So Roger would be the one that would hang back more, allowing those guys to get forward. Now with Gutierrez, they can trade off, and that, that I think, is the main reason for uh, Espinosa's form last season in terms of production. Not disagreeing, but not quite 100% agreeing. Um, I think you're right, except that it's it's not totally that Gutierrez is there. I think it's just the the maturation and the other players all around him too. Cause you saw how much he combined with Russell Zussi overlapping Russell coming into the middle. I mean, Espinosa's at right back at different times. It was just that 
all the different players being there that was there. I mean, he wasn't playing with Connor Hallisey out on the side or Brad Davis, who was too old to play, or, you know, um, we could probably run down a whole list of those options. So it, he had more assists also because, uh, Shallowy was cutting in from the other side, so he's cutting into that him because I think first three or four Shallowy goals were assisted by Espinoza. Something uh, it was a number of his goals were assisted by Espinoza, so it's that cutting in that direction. So it's just that the whole team was better offensively because of better players everywhere. So if you put in Kellen Rowe in that spot, for example, or Kellen Rowe as Felipe Gutierrez uh, in Gutierrez's spot, I don't think it changes much as long as Row fits into the system. No, there I, we go. We finally brought it back around to Row. That's that, what that, I that, was waiting for. Well, that, that, that's that's where I was going to come back to once that was finished up. But no, I I like I, I like Row. I've liked Row for a while. I don't think you can look at his performance last season and see it as an indicator of his play. I think him and Friedel didn't mesh well. Yeah. In in New England, and I just. Like he was one of a couple there that Friedel yeah. just decided <laughs> well, decided quickly and, he wasn't going to play. And Thad and I have talked about this in the past. Is sometimes players just need a change of scenery. Um, oh uh, yes, the, the one Definitely. that comes up for me and for Thad and Thad and I talking about is the speaking of New England, the Teal Bunbury trade. Oh yeah, there you Teal go. was a was fine here. He was good here, but he just needed a change of scenery. And I think. Kellen Rowe just needed a change of scenery at this point, and I think, I think he's going to do very well here. I think this yeah. is, you you said uh, Trader Pete earlier. I think this is this could turn out to be a steal of a trade for for Sporting when you look at the uh, all three uh, players right. involved. Because not only did we get Rowe, we got allocation money allocation from the Rapids money. for it too. We got yeah. the Garber bucks, baby. So I mean, <laughs> it yeah I I. I don't know what uh, what New England saw in getting a uh, Castillo for Rowe in the first place from Colorado, and I can understand the uh, Rubio for Rowe trade from both Colorado's and our perspective because oh, yeah. Colorado seems to want to play with two strikers this year. Rubio's gonna—I think Rubio's gonna have a very successful season with Kamara uh, uh, up top in Colorado, but the Rowe Rubio trade. Total sense. I'm a little iffy on it because of the Hurtado when it went with Hurtado seeming to be the starter, but I'm not. I, I don't hate the move either. So, with um, Diego and Kai up top, I think they, like you said, they could be a very good combination as long as they can develop some chemistry together. They're they're possibly two very different players. So I, I think they will, but it just it could be one of those. It could also go tragically bad very quickly. And where, with the, the where, fine leadership wait, in the back. Wait, wait, wait. Things go tragically bad for a team with Kai Kamara on it. That that everywhere but here, that that sounds like a broken record. So it repeats. It doesn't make it wrong. <laughs> no, no, that's what I'm saying. Is that is yeah. you, you just hit on a point that at some point outside of Kansas City, Kamara's not had a lot of success of not of staying out of trouble in the locker room. Let's yeah, just leave it at that. He's, yeah. he's had success on the field, and then it stops. And then he moves, and then he has success, and then it stops. Yeah, that that has to just sound weird to a lot of 
sporting Kansas City fans who don't necessarily follow the rest of the league that closely to hear that Kai Kamara could be difficult in some way. Like, that's the happiest man we've ever seen. Like, I know. It, <laughs> I still love Kai. And I'm, I mean, I, it, it really is just a weird situation in that he's he's had success goal-scoring-wise, at least in MLS, everywhere he's gone. But everywhere but Kansas City, he's been seen as a locker room cancer when he yeah. leaves. Everywhere. San Jose, Houston, Columbus, Columbus again, New England, Vancouver. I mean, everywhere he, he's been seen as a... I'm sure if he'd have stayed in Cincinnati for more than 30 seconds, he would have been seen as locker room <laughs> cancer when he left. Yeah. But, I mean, everywhere, it, he, I don't... Yeah, I don't know what it is, but... Yeah, and I still love Kai, and I would love to see him come back here and visit, but, yeah, not not come back to play. Yeah, but anyway, no, the the Roe Rubio trade, total sense, and we get Garber Bucks out of it. I, I take that deal every single day of the week, even with the Hurtado Namath stuff up top. I take that deal every single day. So even with a unproven um, center forward, we still don't have a striker, but... <laughs> um, and, you know, so neither one of Hurtado or Namath, I mean, if I'm going to be on the critical side at this point, which I wasn't earlier, but neither one of them is a guy who lights it up. Um, well, let's just, hold on, let's just move this into the outgoing players, and let's just talk about Rubio. So continue your thought, that because it was exactly <laughs> what we were talking <laughs> So it, with him gone, you know, we... we if. Neither one of them uh, is going to light it up. Is it still a good trade? I mean, it, it, we had we had an offense last year with Espinosa and Gutierrez. We didn't need another midfielder. I mean, because you got Croze and Busio that can fill in that spot or actually do quite well there, Johan. Well, and, yeah, and we didn't even talk about what the road trade means for Johan. So, I mean, the, the midfield got very crowded, but again, it goes back to the Vermes point about wanting to be too deep everywhere on the field. Mm-hmm. So the that... that I would hope that we're going to see more of more rotation from Peter this year, especially with our entire back line is going to be 30. No, Ike's 29 now, I think. Or Ike's about to turn. And Barath is 26. Yes. But our, the, okay, our starters from last year, right. either 29 or over 30, our goalkeeper's over 30, which is like 21 in field player years. Um, you have... Uh, Elie, who's mid-upper 20s, Felipe, mid-upper 20s. Roger is the wrong side of 30 as it is. So we have a fairly old roster, even with the likes of Busio and Cousin yeah. and Lindsay. Seasoned is what the word I'm going to use. But anyway, back to back to Rubio and the uh, his departure. Yeah, I mean, that one was tough. Just because, you know, we're still talking about do we have a striker. Not that even if he was here, we would probably still be having the conversation. But it it was, you know, you can understand the hesitancy for people that are like, well, that was one guy that was scoring goals and we just got rid of him. Well, But, yes, the, the, every point you made, Mike, of just, it's just a classic trader Pete move. Couldn't turn it down. Got a lot in return. And I'm I'm for it. Well, and with with Rubio, the question is, had he peaked here? Right. Was that his peak? Is his peak being that spot starter, 
slash come off the bench and score a goal sort of well, guy. And, and along those lines, it's like, yes, that might have been his peak, but it, and it was just bottom line is it was a perfect time to sell the guy. <laughs> no, it, like, yeah, you buy yeah. low, sell high. Is yeah. we we we're buying Kellen Rowe at a very low at probably the low point of his career right now in terms of production. We sold Rubio on a high because I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would venture to guess this was probably his most productive season, definitely in MLS, if not period right. for his career at this yeah, point. I think all time also, uh, but he. And I don't always get into. I don't totally understand all the time, but the whole expected goal thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Everybody talked about how he scored way above expected goal rate. I, now I don't know. Maybe he could keep that up forever because, but. There well, is a point where it seems like that won't happen, right? In theory, you shouldn't you can't technically because how would it, yeah? I well, it, I mean, in theory, you can, but it's not likely. And right. if you go back to the end of 2017, when people will still blame the end of 2017 on being too tired, but it wasn't that people were tired; it was that the entire team went cold. Nobody could freaking score. That one of those people being Rubio, Bailhopper. So it. Nobody could score. Right. Yeah. And and I think the other difference for 2018, while Rubio had eight goals, I think, in league play for us, I don't. He didn't hit double digits. I think he had like eight, maybe nine. Yeah. But the way Vermes has the team set up now, the center forward doesn't need to score. Right. As, as long as Russell that much. and. Well, yes, that much. We they, still they need to be still, a credible threat. Yes, yeah. they don't but, need to put it in every other game. Yes, but the 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 wings is where at least last year in the system Vermes had is where the goal scoring comes from, with uh, either with, by their foot or they create it. From yeah, the outside. With, with Russell cutting in from one side, Shallowy from the other. The you that's where Sporting's goals were coming from last year. So. The the while it on paper in terms of goals it hurts to lose Rubio, I think with the added offensive production from Rowe, I think you you, you can get that production back from uh, a combination of center forwards. I I think for as much as I ragged on Hurtado earlier, I think a combination of him and Namath can probably produce the same amount of goals that Shelton Rubio did last yeah. year. Yeah, I don't see why they can't. Should be at least close, and if Rowe can put in more than, say, Roger, or you know, a a combination of Gutierrez, Espinoza, and Rowe can put in more than a Gutierrez and Espinoza did last year, plus Johan, the greatest player in MLS. Uh, Mike, you just mentioned uh, Shallowy and Russell cutting inside. Have you guys watched? Before we move on, I gotta I gotta mention this. Have you guys watched Sunderland Till I Die on Netflix? Not yet, no. Well, I did this on Twitter and no one went to check it out and see what it was. But in the second episode, as it's open, like the first words of the Johnny second Russell. episode are Johnny Russell <laughs> and it's Johnny Russell cuts inside and it's like he sets up a goal to score on Sunderland. And seriously, watch this documentary. It's amazing. Uh, you know they you know this documentary crew did this thinking, oh, this huge club, they just got relegated, it'll be this redemption story of them rising back to the Premier League. 
and this crappy club just has the worst season like in the history of soccer and gets relegated and the whole and they were just being followed by cameras the whole time. It's so funny. You have to watch it. <laughs> but uh, and it's it's on my list to watch. Um yeah, as soon as I get Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, old man. <laughs> hey, I got everything else. So. Okay. Um but that is Sporting's offense, okay? We were talking earlier about uh, Gutierrez and Espinoza being the kind of the inverted double pivot, being up front instead of back. And I know we talked about this on the pod last year, but since we have you on here now, Mike, it's my contention that Sporting doesn't have a number 10. They have two number eights or eight and a halfs or whatever you want to call them because they both basically play the box-to-box role. They both play an attacking role. Neither one of them is a true number 10 as in a guy that your offense is going to go through is in a guy that's going to be your setup man. But they both have the capability to do it. I, I, I would say that's true when it's Espinosa and Gutierrez on the field. Yes. When, when you put Johan in the midfield, when you put Busio in the midfield, when you presumably put Rowe in the midfield, they're going to sit a little bit deeper. Be, the, the example I'll give... Again, I don't have my numbers in front of me, but Espinoza, in my mind, went through a lull in the middle of the season where he wasn't producing goals or assists unless they were bangers from outside the box. And what did that coincide with? Gutierrez's absent, absence from the lineup. Yes. So I think what the that uh, the lack of a 10 is only when those two are on the field because it would based off what I remember of the season, the whoever p- played in place of Gutierrez was usually playing more forward and Espinosa was back more in his regular position or dropping all the way back to right back to as as, as uh Zuzi pushed up up the field. Or maybe they weren't farther forward, it was just Espinosa was making sure he was farther back to to protect against Johan losing the ball or a 16-year-old losing the ball. <laughs> yes. And with Johan earlier in the season getting up to speed. That's putting it nicely. <laughs> uh, you got to know, Johan's like my favorite player, right? Um, best player in MLS. I was, you didn't say I was to say. You didn't say your normal line. Yeah, I did earlier. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Johan had the capability it took him a while to adapt where Felipe came in and just boom hit the ground running and was you know one of the best players in the league right off the bat and then had to recover and get back to his form Um, so I I do think that what you're saying is accurate when he was out there with Gutierrez but I I just also think that you're with Busio yeah he's the young kid you got to worry a little bit more about who probably won't have to worry about for in, in the next year um I wish we were worrying about him. I'd love to see Busio get more. Now, granted, the I just tw- meant he'll be so good you won't have to worry about him. That's what. <laughs> not not that he won't get to play, but and Johan, who it seems like everywhere he fit in in the last two months, he did well. So I he's I don't think he would be the the worry for if he's fitting in like next good to Gutierrez. You wouldn't have to worry about it as much as he would have in the first half of last year. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. <laughs> okay, let's finish up the rest of the outgoing players quickly. Okay? You got the list? I do. Rapid fire. Okay, uh, let's start with Brad Evans. Good riddance, right? Thank you for oh. your time here. Thanks for being the uh, coach kind of in the locker room. 
I don't want to talk long on Evans because yeah. I, I, the on the field aspect, it absolutely wasn't there. But I guarantee you, he was the perfect guy to have yeah. in the locker room for for this team. He, he he he. I hate Seattle. I hate what they're about. But Evans, I always respected as a player just because of how he played, and bring and having him here was less about him on the field and more about him in the locker room. Yeah, you be, being the a locker room guy. You would have fit right in on this pod last year, and because <laughs> there were so many people, it was bad mouthing Evans and yes. the whole deal. And I'm like, $200,000 wasn't a big deal for, for a guy that came in. And um, he, if he'd have played one game, he would have said it was justified. But what he taught in, on the field, and what was fun was watching some practices. They, it's harder to watch practices now, but the ones that you still got to watch, watching Evans, like uh, like Shelton and Rubio going up against Evans in training, and you can see the quality of how good of a defender he could be, how smart he was on the ball and, and the way he positioned and everything. It made those guys better going up against him in practice, and the same could be said for the guys at Swope Park who were in those trainings and the the kids that went against him. So okay. he made players better. All right, more than enough on Brad Evans. <laughs> all right, more rapid you, fire. Man. All of these people are good riddance anyway. We don't need to spend any time on any of them. Uh, Carlton Belmar. Actually, that one's kind of sad. Good luck in Nashville. Nashville is where he went. Amir Yiddich. Wait, wait, wait. How well do you think he, do you think he can come up with Nashville next year? Rapid fire or not rapid fire? <laughs> you said those words <laughs> twice to me. <laughs> Fine. This is my one thing on uh, on Belmar. I still think he could be a decent depth signing for an MLS squad, especially an expansion side. I agree with I that. I think he'll do fine. I, I think he'll score 10 to 12 goals next season for Nashville. He'll get signed to an MLS contract, and then we'll see what happens with him with Nashville. Yeah, I liked him. I liked his game. Yeah, and and in the right MLS team, I think he could could not I don't not be excessively great, but I think he could be adequate. Adequate, great. Come on. All right, I'm Yudich. Good luck in San Antonio. San Antonio. Hell of a nice guy. Great story. Not I, gonna... I thought he was the next center back. I always thought they were he, grooming him to be. He just seemed a little slow, like not up in the head, just on the field. He was yeah. not a fast player. Well, he. He positioned himself as to maybe be the the number three guy, but then I think maybe stopped progressing. I think, and that's the the key right there is he rapidly progressed from where he because he played yeah. at uh, Baker Baker. Yeah, kind of came out of nowhere that yeah. year, and he rapidly progressed up through Swell Park. And and became, was, he he was all league his rookie season. Right. He was all USL. Yeah, he was a he was a good USL player, a really good USL player. He was not a good MLS player, and he, I just he, don't think he could go up against the big. The speedy guys. He wasn't able to make that next jump. He, right. Like I said, he, he, good luck to him in San Antonio. I think he'll do well in a USL environment where that's where he is. That's his focus instead of being both MLS and USL. I yeah. think he'll do fine there. And he, he'll get plenty of playing time. And if for some reason he fails, he can move to Canada. Christian Lobato. I miss him. Actually, uh, that's one of the one of the guys I I think that I wish would not have been let go. If I don't know his health. I don't know if he's going to recover and come back to being normal, whatever you know injuries he actually had, because he was wearing like double braces and stuff for a while. Yeah. But he had ability that I thought was really good, and it finally like showed up a few times. When he played before, I thought you could see the quality, and it just needed to take an- another little tweak up. 
and it finally did, and then he was hurt, and now he's gone. Well, go back and watch that uh, season-long highlight of all the goals they scored this year, and you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he was like, he actually contributed for a while. I remember just, that guy. Just don't put him back at left back. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Colton Storm, another outside back that never was. Um. Yep. Yep. That sounds about good. <laughs> a, a, a a pretty good USL player. A good USL defender. I, I don't know that he's going to be good enough MLS player. I, I I think Storm is the perfect example for what we're going to talk about in a little bit, which is the draft and the lack of importance <laughs> of, lack. of the of the draft as as it's progressed. Storm. I don't think. Storm was a weird pick from day one when you knew the club had Jalen Lindsay that right. they were going to sign and had, at the time when he was drafted, still had Abdul Salam at right back mm-hmm. and I think still had Amadou Dia at the same time still, I think. But e- either way, his drafting in the first place was just a weird timing thing. And I never really thought that he would break through. I know that sounds bad, but really he, he just never seemed like – it was just a weird pick for me. His best contribution to this club was when he was pranked by Peter Vermees. Yes, that was the, so the, the, cat, the catfishing. Mark it? from Cabo. Yes, yeah. yes. Mark from Cabo, yes. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. my gosh. But I, I think actually what they may have thought, again, he was a potential Seth replacement. Because like they could convert him to a left back and that didn't work very well. But yeah, because he he was a right back and that was I remember that at the time. Now that you say that, and it's like he's only ever played right back. He can't he, converting him to left back is going to be a disaster. And well, well, it works for Lindsay. Lindsay's more talented than Storm is, and Lindsay's also four four to six years younger than yeah. Storm is. Storm's twenty, yeah, six years younger. I know. I'm just saying it, it. You can't say it will never work, but I think that was part of the thought when he was drafted. I remember uh, some armchair asshole saying that he would never be able to play left back. For me, said he could play that. No, no, no. Uh, no, I said he could never play left back. <laughs> but it, it was the MLS guy. Okay, fair enough. That armchair asshole, uh, who mostly gotcha. I disagree with. Not mostly, but. We, we don't think say his I, name on the show. Apparently, <laughs> I see. I like Doyle. I like Matt Doyle. There's he's he's I not wrong. I don't all the time. like I, his. I know he does. He has things. He he has points that make sense for other teams. But he has this thing with Sporting Kansas City. He has like a thing with this team that he doesn't like. See, I don't. I don't see that because he he's the one that after the road trade was again. Praising Vermes for yeah, schooling everybody again. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I'm not saying he's wrong all the time, and I'm, I'm not saying he's got a thing against Sporting. He, he just does. had a thing for Johan last year. He yeah, so, he got, well, that, at the very least, yes, he had a thing yes. For in, in a game where Johan's the best player on the field, and he's ta- still talking about how bad of a deal. Well, it was. the 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 thing with that is the thing, the same thing that bugs me with it is the fact that it's uh, the the and, well, it bugs me and it doesn't. Because the DP tag does not have the implications that it used to in the league. Not Precisely. with all the TAM, not with yep. all the GAM. But at the same time, it's still the DP tag still has a stigma on it. And Johan had that tag, and he's not producing at what you expect for a DP. Right, in, but then when those, those midseason 
uh, salaries came out. We found out he's like the eighth or ninth, eighth highest paid on the team. There are like seven or eight players on the team that make more money than him. So, yeah, and some of that you still don't know. Um, so anyway, Storm, Storm. Yeah, thanks. We, we had to revert back. It was, he was talking about fire. He was <laughs> talking about how Why he could are we never still talking about him. He, because we never I, got off of the subject. I, I had said, when Thad said, um, I was like, yep, that's good enough. You guys, and Thad he, is so difficult to get to stop talking about something. Like, he's such a friendly guy. He will talk to you forever <laughs> about something. He's got a lot to say, and oh, that's he'll bullshit. say it. <laughs> that's bullshit. But I'm going to get my point across. Yeah, that's bullshit. Whenever we're leaving, at the, we're in the parking lot after leaving this podcast. We'll see. We'll, we'll see how that goes. So what you're saying is you're not friendly? No, no I do. That's why I'm, I like I like how friendly you are. I like it. Anyway, it was Doyle saying that he could never be a left back, and Vermees thought he could try it. He played it in the combine and was mediocre in the combine because I remember watching that game and going because I went back and watched the whole thing when he played that, and it was kind of like he had a couple of good moments and had a couple of am moments. So I think that's where Storm was, and I think that's why they drafted him was the attempt to make him a left back. Okay, he's gone forever, though. So, what are you showing me? Just the last person we need to talk about. Oh, yeah, he I was, wasn't. He, I was he wasn't on the transaction him. list. So, yes, but Kyrie Shelton appears to be officially gone. Another club has introduced him as their own, so I assume he's gone. <laughs> no, yeah, he's he's yeah. officially signed. Yeah, P- with Paderborn, 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 uh, in uh, Bundesliga two signed him officially. Although he hurt his knee in practice and some of the stuff makes it sound like it may be a long-term ligament injury which sucks for him yeah that really is unfortunate but, well and that's the second long-term injury he's had correct uh had one with new york and then he had to recover and then he never because they expected him to be better so he i can't remember what the injury was I can't. I can't remember what it was from when he was with NYCFC, but yeah, he he's apparently hurt again, unfortunately, because the uh, kid from UCLA they signed played in the friendly that they had, and Shelton didn't. And then it came out after the fact that Shelton did something to his knee. Which, again, he's one heck of a nice guy, really nice guy. So I wish him well. Yep. Good luck to him. Hopefully, he recovers quickly and has success in the Bundesliga and then comes back to MLS and we can make more uh, am by trading him to whoever wants to whoever wants to keep him because we have his MLS rights. I like how you dropped the first letter of the one just went with am. I oh, like that. That's It's easier than saying Tam and Gam. Alright, uh, very quickly, Swell Park Rangers added two players and I'm just going to confidently say their names and we're going to just say that I said them right. Ayub Alak and Jerome Ngom Mbekeli. I was I was confident for a while. <laughs> you you, you kind of crashed and burned on that yeah, last you one. Crashed, <laughs> there's you, you, three you, names. Come on. And the you last crashed and burned on. The last uh, one's intimidating. You, you crashed and burned McBelly. on the last, <laughs> the, the last name. Beckley. Yeah. The mm, only thing I'll say great. about this is I like the age of the players. I One of the Which things that 20, I... Both of them are 20. And 20. And so I like... I, I the This is what the Rangers are for bringing in young kids that maybe years ago you would have brought in on just a trial with sporting, and if they were good, you signed them. If they weren't, you kicked them out. Now you bring them to Rangers. They spend a season with Rangers. If they're still good, 
they either stay with Rangers for another year to develop or they move up to sporting. So this is what they're for. Not that I don't appreciate what Haji Berry did last year or Belmar. the Belmar. Well, but Belmar came in as 23 and then got signed to sporting. So I, Belmar's uh, what I see as a Swope success story moving up to the first team. But um, honestly, actually, Barry's about the only one of the uh, older players that were specifically on Swope contracts last year that I felt had adequate seasons. So, but yeah, like guys like Minter, um, uh, uh, I can't think of the other guys that were older that were on the roster last year. I blanked them out of out of my. Parker Mayer? Mar, yeah, but Mar was there the year before. Yeah, I mean, his um, name was but there, there was somebody else that was there that I'm blanking uh, on. But Akhmatov, no, he's f- still fairly young, isn't he? Um, uh, he's like 24. E- now. Either way, I like the aspect of bringing in the young kids and playing them. That's what I want to see more of. Less of the 25 plus year old guys the being Guatemalan guy. Yes, thank you. I can't think of his name. Yes, that's who I'm thinking of. The Guatemalan guy who yes. went back to Guatemala. Yes. Well, and then there was another guy who didn't play a whole or came on as a sub a lot. Uh, but anyway, I like the youth. I want to see more young players with supplemented with older players from sporting coming down to get time and maybe at most one to two older players on USL contracts to be the locker room guys. The rest of it should be academy kids, should be young kids that would normally just get trials, and young kids on sporting contracts. And, and who that's cares if the, they make the playoffs? That Exactly. That's what the Rangers are for. The zoo will hate me for saying that, but that's what the Rangers are for. Yeah, totally agree. Um, the, only, the only caveat I'll say is I don't mind a couple of the older guys who you're just seeing if maybe they have something in there. And the other factor is they're just a depth in case somebody gets hurt on the first team. But they can't come up on inner that 25-plus have to be signed to a first-team oh, no. contract. I'm just saying, they but, cannot just come up But you up would on have loans. them there so that if, like, in the middle of the year, um, you know, Seth got hurt and couldn't play, you could sign a Parker Meyer last year or a Justin Bilyeu this year to bring them up to have that other depth. That, that's all I'm saying. is I'm not saying they're, like, a, a loan contract because that's not the case. Because that's, that's a rare occurrence where you can even borrow them except for open cups and stuff like that. So um, that's all I'm saying is like those older guys would be that extra depth. I'm just going to stop saying we're going to do things quickly. Because I, we can't I tried do to it. be quick and he kept talking. Because <laughs> I need to can, add on to what you said. You can tell it's off season. We haven't gotten together in a long time. People got a lot of things to say. So, moving on. Right. So I. I'm like hesitant to even bring it up because we're going to talk about it for 30 minutes. But the Super Draft, it's non-existent, right? I, I told you guys this beforehand. I have three names to read off. Ben Lundgaard, Brandon Aubrey, and Chase Minter. And collectively, all of you listeners should have been like, who? Exactly. Except for maybe Chase Minter if you're a Swope Park Rangers fan. Those are the three players taken in 2018, 2017, and 2016 at the 21st pick, where sporting picks on uh, in the draft tomorrow as, as it is when we're recording this. So don't expect anything other than a Swope signing out of this pick. Hey, man, Tom Brady was drafted in the something it round. NFL and MLS are completely different, though, man. That's the only way to get players in the NFL. So, so, so is MLS from 2000 and 
won when Davey Arnold was taken in the sixth round and MLS in uh, 2019. Just five years, man. Just the last five years, it's changed a lot on the quality of players coming up in college because of the academies. Is there, um, like, anyone that is a big name that is going to get taken? Like, is there a Jack Harrison player that's in this draft that, like, people have been waiting to graduate? There there are a couple U20 players in the draft that that will be well long off the board by the time we pick, so it's not going to matter for us. I just mean for the sake of the draft. Like, is there, is there like, any exciting player that well, like, all the teams are wanting to get? Not, no, not, not, there's not one consensus number oh, one pick Lord. this year, no. Yeah. But at the same time, the draft's not going anywhere. Right. You're, you're, the one, there's, everybody's not in academies, so you're going to have to have some way to disperse those players because, as it is, the players union isn't going to allow new players to have more freedom than the players that are already part of the union. So, I mean, you're you're not going to give the college kids free agency to sign anywhere they want when Matt Beasler, well, Matt Beasler could have been a free agent, so uh, that's not a good uh, one. Kyrie Shelton, uh, Daniel Shallowy, those guys aren't, those guys don't have the free to, free movement within MLS when their contracts are up. So the players' union isn't going to give that to new players just coming in and be like, oh, yeah, those yeah. kids can go wherever they want while our players that have been in the league for six years have to sit on their butts and right. wait for somebody to trade their player rights. I understand your point, but at some point it won't matter that much because those guys won't be playing anyway. No, it, it won't, but the players' union will want more free agency for their existing players before they give it to the drafted players, is what I mean. And I, and I agree with that, and I'm okay with that, and the draft will be around for a long time. It just will matter less and less every single year. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, we're... Well, let's see. 2017 was Colton Storm. 2018 was Graham Smith and Eric Dick. Now, both of them are still on the roster, which is more than you can say for... Two thirds of the players taken in the first two rounds, I would guess, last year. Yeah, the the this draft is like an asymptote. Like it's always going to be there, and it'll progressively get worse and worse, but it'll never actually bottom out. You like a what? An asymptote. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> you make me feel like a nerd. An asymptote, a line like a map yeah. line. It's a slowly okay. decreasing. You know, like always. You you'll you'll, yeah, okay, you'll occasionally have the. G- generation D display because what will happen is the best talent will always get plucked every single yeah. year as generation Adidas the the players that the mm-hmm. U20s the U17s the U19s that are in college will get plucked out before they even get to their senior year and I think even those guys will start being more and more uh, rare because while not everybody will be in an academy but pretty soon I'm pretty sure they're going to open up academies to just bringing in players from all over you can already do it if they're uh, not in an academy spot, i.e., Busio, Lindsay, etc. Well, yeah, they, okay. they've they've talked about um, somebody had talked about how MLS was wanting to was thinking of getting rid of the ter- getting rid of the homegrown territories. Yeah, and they they might leave like okay, we're gonna you can like name three players or you know something like that that or, can't move or a small distance like kind of like what New York and uh, the Galaxy have where they have like a 
certain mile radius of their stadium. Yeah, like so 50 like, miles. Yeah. So like gone maybe the days of sporting having Kansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma as their grounds. Nobody can recruit there, basically. Well, I think it will even won't even be the 50-mile kind of thing, but they might be able to select a few players or something like that. They they've already made it. They've already allowed uh, a larger number per age group because uh, it used to be like one. Now it's like five or something per age group can be from out of territory. Um, so it's just going to keep changing. So as that does, when a kid's 16 and potentially a uh, U17 national team player, he's not going to be not in an academy somewhere. Somebody's going to come say, hey. Come on over here, free room and board, good training, potential signing with a pro team. Come on. Unless you're DC and you're still forcing kids to pay for your academy. (laughs) Okay. Before we wrap up, let's just look at the upcoming schedule before the start of the season. We've got everything kicks off next Friday, a week from now. I'm going to say now. Oh, for preseason games. Yeah. You you lost me for a second on where we what was going Friday, on. Friday, January eighteen is when we officially kick off, and then what is it? Uh, just over a month after that, we are supposed to play a very competitive game against a Mexican side in the Concacaf Champions League, and that one for me is just every single year. It's like. When you qualify for the Champions League, it's like, yes, we have a chance. But then, like, when this time comes, it's like, god dang it. Like, how how the hell is an MLS team supposed to compete in this? Well, we can thank all the other teams that were in the U.S., whatever seed we got in the U.S. that forced us to right. be in Pot B and have to face a Mexican League team in the first round. Well, thank I you. can – being in that pot makes sense to me, right? Because we're the – wouldn't it technically competition should, to qualify? Shouldn't it have been Houston then that got that spot? Why? Because they were also they were the lesser competition to win it because they won the 2018 and they finished lower than us in the regular season. Over but both they years. won it more recently. But they had the but they had the lower they had fewer points than us over the last two years, yeah. which is how New York got in. Oh, as, so they do look at that. Well, yes and no. They did kind of. this past year for because of the because of the uh, change in format. Yeah. When it went to all in oh, one yes. calendar year. Oh yes, for this year. odd first year they were looking at that. For the yeah. for this well, this is the second year of this format, but but the, yeah, they right. for for what they did is they took the seventeen Open Cup, eighteen Open Cup. Uh, when Toronto won MLS Cup, it was supposed to be the two MLS Cup winners as well. But when Toronto won it. It became the MLS Cup winner in 2018, and the team with the most points in 2017 and 2018. I see. That wasn't already qualified. That wasn't already qualified because it yeah. would have been Atlanta if Portland had won MLS Cup. Concacaf, baby. So yeah, Sporting got screwed just because of the way it was this time. Yes. But on a happier note, all the four teams that made the made the Champions League were the same four teams that would have made it if they had just done the one year, which was kind of weirdly odd. I yeah, that was good. They would have been in different spots though. They would have been in different spots, but all four made the all and, four of them made it again. Which and Sporting would have been playing somebody from Guatemala, probably or, yeah, whatever, or the Dominican Republic or yeah. wherever. But I'm stuck on Guatemala at the moment. Either way, it's I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. 
I don't have high expectations for because right. um, I think oddly we have a good record at home against Mexican league sides. I think if I remember right, we've only lost one game and that was a super league game. Beat Cruz Azul. Yeah. No, that's what I mean. We've only lost yeah. one home game against a Mexican league side. We've beaten Santos Laguna at home. We've tied Santos Laguna at home. Uh, actually, no, we've lost two. We lost to Santos Laguna twice now that I think about it. But we have a good record at home. On the road, we suck down in Mexico. Our last two trips were two goals and 11 against, I want to say, nice. from uh, the Cruz Azul game and then uh, Morelia back in 2002. So we don't travel well, and we're going to Toluca, which is like 8,000 feet above sea level. <sighs> Yikes. Yeah, that's and with, am, with having very little preparation. Well, I am inclined to believe that Vermees is one coach that is going that I more confident than other coaches in MLS that he will have his team ready. I don't know that I'm more confident comfortable than most other coaches, but I'm comfortable that he'll have them as ready as he can. Yeah, but it's still going to be a. a crappy situation because you're going to be facing a Mexican team that's at least recently played in uh, your... They, Toluca will have played five or six I think yeah. games before we uh, play them. Five or six league games before the Champions League. And Sporting will have played one or two MLS teams, a USL team and a bunch of trialists. A bunch of yeah, and, college yeah. players and themselves. Exactly. So, it won't have been a ton of preparation. The flip side to that is you have guys like Johnny frickin' Russell. And also uh, that Sporting Kansas City always seems to win games you think they're going to lose. And they lose games <laughs> that they should win. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident they'll put out a decent performance on the brand new field at Sporting at Children's Mercy Park. Yeah, no, I, I'm... I'm I think they'll put out a good performance at home. It's it's the away leg that has me uh, has me concerned yeah. that it'll turn into another Cruz Azul. And then like three days later, starting the season. Yes, and three days later, we're in L.A. to face uh, LAFC. Yeah, so that's the other bad factor to this whole thing is if they go in and go all out for winning the game in Toluca, then you're sacrificing some opening the season like but, they did last year with a loss. But at the same time, it's on the road in a location that you're not expected to get a result in uh, at LAFC. So at, at the same time, if you can win it, I, I think it's one of those situations where if it's starting to get bad, you pull a couple guys who you know you're going to need on Sunday in L.A. and just say, okay, we're punting. I don't know if I like the... A place you're not expected to get a result. I think I expect them to get a result as in at least a tie in most places, not everywhere. But LA doesn't, isn't like scary enough to me that I'm like, okay, we, we just sacrifice that game. But, well, I, I'm not saying you sacrifice the game. I'm saying yeah, that I, I know you're not saying sacrifice doesn't it, but... hurt. But at the same time, we're, we were the only team to beat LA at home in league play last year. Yeah. So it's not... 
it's not like LA is an easy place to go play. They 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 play well at home. So I don't want to say I'm okay with a loss, but a loss isn't going to surprise me in LA. So if we can somehow go to Toluca and get a result and we if getting a result means we lose in LA, I'm I'm I don't care. I'm fine with if that. If we win in Toluca, I'm okay with losing in LA. We'll we'll go with that. Okay, we can. We'll do another podcast where we can discuss all of this. Hopefully, we'll be promise. Yeah, and we'll be at full it? strength. We'll get Atrost back in here. She was supposed to be here, but the Apple Store has prevented her from being here. And the Pointy Ball team. And Bob, we don't. I don't know what Bob was doing. Bob was unavailable tonight. Uh, something with his daughter. But we'll be. We'll we'll have another one and. We can discuss the Champions League game, and we can discuss the home opener. Okay. Any final words? The off season's too long. Too long? God, it was like two weeks, wasn't it? <laughs> it kind of. It was quick. Next year it'll be even longer off season, though. Yeah, it'll be an actual off season. So it's gonna be too long in an off season. Okay, but we can, again, we'll talk about that in another pod. Anyway, kudos to Peter for getting all those transactions done right off the bat and getting that done. Hopefully he can still add another player. <coughs> Don't tweet at Mike and ask him when we're going to sign a striker. Actually, actually, I recommend tweeting at Mike and asking him when they're going to sign a striker or why they're still playing Roger Espinosa because obviously that's a thing. All right, so, so keep tweeting it. Keep, keep tweeting it, Mike. And until next time, go sporting. That was good. I had to do the woo myself.